Metricast. Then you add the whole social culture of you're overreacting, you're taking it too personally, you're being too sensitive, get over it, stop worrying about it, you've got an overactive imagination, you're just being weird, that I agree there is, there is a way in which between ancestral trauma, karmic trauma, and social pressure to not be magical and to not be sensitive, there's also that tension around being empathic where I think a lot of us really do try to shut that down. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful beings, to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. This is your weekly installment of your inner connection to your outer expression, where I, your host, Harrison, here with the beautiful guest that I get to dance with and flow with, set the intention of pulling back the layers, restricting health, alignment, and love. And today's episode is, is like all the others, but with its own individual twist with the beautiful heart that I get to speak with today. But before I get to her soul and her magic, a quick little reminder, if you're new to this podcast today, welcome. I'm excited to have you. If you are a returning follower, a returning part of the family, we love you very much. and We thank you for being here. Remember that you can share this episode out to your friends, your family members, your lovers in the world. If you get some value, Go over to pod, go over to uh, Apple and Spotify. Leave your love if you gain some gems, and if you're looking for more tribe now, I recently a couple of weeks ago started the Cosmic Love Antenna Facebook tribe and family. So go over there, join the group, and I would love to have you. All right, with all that foundation, I want to introduce the beautiful Jennifer Moore that I have on the guest on the show today as a guest. Jennifer is a empathic mentor. She's an EFT master trainer and founder of the Empathic Mastery Academy. I think you think you're getting an idea of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get into all things, you know, being an empath, being an empath as a as a superpower, you know, leaning into this beautiful gift and what it means, the understanding of boundaries and all these sort of elements, the role of trauma in being an empath, the individualized expression of this beautiful gift, and so much more. Jennifer, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Harrison, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. I'm sure we're going to have an amazing dance and conversation. Yeah, me too, my friend. And uh, it's morning for me here in Australia. And uh, I always, this is my witching hour. It, it, technically, it was a couple hours ago, right? But uh, for me, this is where my spirit is so active. And you know, mm-hmm. having you here, I'm already feeling a lot coming through. So I'm excited for what we're going to talk about. Let's let's start. Let's let's ground before we go into the depths. Jennifer, I'd love to you know introduce you a little bit to the people listening. We're going to talk about all of your beautiful skills and insights. But before we do that how I like to start the show is getting a little bit of a background of who you are. And I think I like to do that through the pain teacher. And this is usually an event or a series of events that has really led you to the the beautiful work that you do in the world right now. So when I ask that question, what, what bubbles up to the surface? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that for me, there have been many incremental experiences in my life that have been my teachers. So um, where some people might be able to talk about there being like one pain teacher or one experience, in my experience, it's been sort of a, (laughs) the way I describe my life is like, you know, I get an idea and I step forward and when I hit hit a wall, I turn left or right. And so I think that Uh, That in many ways, being highly sensitive and empathic, like I am, and I imagine you are too, it's been like, like I feel things and have felt things much more quickly. There's that song by John Lennon, Instant Karma's Gonna Get You. And it really feels like for me, my life has been a life of instant karma and where a lot of people had been able to sort of kick the can down the road. By the time I was 23, I was really bottoming out. I was really, really struggling with a pretty serious 
eating disorder and sugar addiction. And I had already hit my wall. I was already going, what I'm doing is not working. Mm. Yeah. And Jennifer, let me ask, the things that you were doing that were not working, did they happen to be, um, how can I say this nicely, uh, lessons? Don't worry and, about being nice. Uh, all right, all right, I'll go straight in. Yeah. Uh, projections. Just, just be blunt. I believe, but did they happen to be projections from family or culture or religion? Like, what, I, I guess what I'm asking is, often we hit a wall and we and we aren't doing the things that are aligned with us because we think we have to fit into a certain box. Absolutely. And especially, I think, more so at, at the time that I was uh, that I was really struggling with this, even more so then than now, the um, re- restrictions of what it means to be female in our culture, and especially around body image and weight and around love. But I also, uh, you know, I was at a point in my life, if I think about sort of the the first pivot in my life, which was around the time I was actually sort of the precursor to the pivot was a car accident. But, But the first real pivot in my life was when I was about 23 years old. And I was really, I had no boundaries. I had, I desperately wanted to be loved. And the way that I thought I could be loved was by being like fitting into this visual ideal of what a woman is supposed to look like and be like, but also by being really a people pleaser and, you know, to put not to find a, a, a point on it, a very codependent, like very much about like being in that place of trying to meet other people's needs. So I think that it was, for me, it was a combination of social pressure and sort of the boxes that I was trying to adhere to, but then also a lot of misconceptions about what health and love and relate good adult relationships look like. Uh, so thank you for sharing that, my friend. And that was... That was my suspicion, and I I feel you. You know, I'm obviously in the in a male body in this incarnation, but I can I can definitely relate to a lot of those those themes, right? And I think a lot of the female listeners of this show can definitely tune into and see those boxes that you were fitting yourself into as the boxes they are currently or have in the past as well, right? But that's what you know when we go deeper into this episode today. I would encourage people listening to, you know, look, become the observer, right? Just from this chat today, you might see a box that you're in that maybe you didn't realize you were in and you can now make a choice to step out of it, right? And it's, and that's the powerful piece. Jennifer, let's let's get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into all things being an empath and highly sensitive here today. I think where I want to start is let's let's start surface level. And let's maybe set some definitions and understandings, and then we'll go deeper. What, in your perspective, your experience, how would you define an empath? What is an empath in your world? Thank you so much. And I just want to acknowledge that right now the word empath is being used everywhere. Yes. It's becoming yes. very, very popular. It's become <laughs> kind of a buzzword. And depending on who you're talking to, it can really vary quite a bit. So my personal perspective and and sort of definition of an empath is that an empath is well for one thing being an empath is on a spectrum and on one side of the spectrum there are the people who are completely oblivious to anything and everything that is going on with anybody outside of themselves like where they are so self-interested and self-absorbed one might say you know just like just completely disconnected that they just kind of chug along in life and sort of the absolute extreme might be somebody who'd be considered a sociopath or a psychopath, like somebody who is just really like no regard for any other human beings. And, you know, I'm sure we can all come up with public figures who kind of fit that description. But, you know, anyway, so we've got that side. And then on the other side is what I call the extreme empath or the person who is a true empath. And that is a person who is picking up the thoughts the feelings, the energy, the sensations from the world around them. But 
What I find defines or makes somebody truly an empath is that not only do we absorb the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations from the world around us, but we feel them and experience them as if they are our own. And the thing is, you can have psychics, you can have mediums, you can have people who have a great deal of, you know, intuitive ability who are receiving information in the same way that an empath is. But the thing about these other abilities or and people with clairs is that they can generally discern what's theirs and what's not theirs. But what I think makes an empath unique is that we experience things through our sensory filters and we experience them as if they are our own. Mm. So some people talk about like clairsentience and how yep. that is. Jennifer, let me jump in here because yeah. that's, I want to get yeah. to that next because that's a, that's my next question. So put a pause there for a second because I want to ask. Excellent. So I was but, reading your mind before uh, yeah, you, you even said it. Your yeah. clairs are already going. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, well, I, that's exactly where I want to go next. But before I do, let me just ask a quick question here with yes. the the empathy piece. So a lot coming through. So first of all, I can I definitely resonate with that. Um, the other the other end of the spectrum of just you know taking on all the things and being highly sensitive and taking it on as your own. And I know as a you know again to some labels here, but as a light worker, as a healer, as someone that's in this in this um, world all the time working with people that it is something we need to be very mindful of right because when i as i'm sure you are aware of when, when i do a healing and i'm in the in the energetic field and, and doing reiki or doing a meditation or whatever it is right I, I personally need to be mindful of when i leave that session and how i'm feeling right how i'm feeling and okay what what have i what have i taken on either consciously or unconsciously that is not mine so I guess before we get to the clear senses, because that's a very important chat I want to have, what what are some ways, because I know other people probably wanting to know this much like myself, what are some ways that we can start to clear and distinguish between some other energy? So for example, one of the tools that I use is, you know, the chakra, the chakra system, right? And cleansing mm -hmm. through the chakra system. So mm -hmm. what what comes up when I ask you this question? So first off, you have just asked the million dollar question and I have literally written a book about this question. I can see it. I can see it. Because, yeah, because the thing about this is that this is a question that has a number of different pieces to the answer. Yeah. And so what I want to say is that first off, what I personally really had to look at it, when I was noticing that I was taking on my client's stuff was that I really needed to look at how had I been taught to do this healing work? How was I doing this healing work? And in what ways was I climbing into the energy systems and the energy bodies of other people and putting myself in a position where I was taking on and absorbing more than I needed to? So one of the things that I have found is really important for those of us who are naturally gifted as healers is that it's really important to start noticing how are we doing the healing work and are we doing essentially like full immersion healing work where we're kind of jumping into the deep end of the pool with people and finding ourselves in over our head. And when I personally first learned about doing empathic healing work, it was as a very little girl watching a Star Trek episode, like first generation. There's an episode called The Empath. I have talked about it a lot because it was so influential, but it was demonstrating what I was taught. The first way I was taught to do energy work, which was lay your hands on somebody, you absorb all the pain like a sponge, you take it into yourself in your body and you transmute it and you sort of take the hit for that person. That was what I was taught. And so I really had to first 
recognize when I was going, you know, going places I didn't belong, and when I was engaging in behaviors that were more than was appropriate as a healer. And one of the things that I found was really, really important was recognizing recognizing when my need to rescue was impacting my ability to serve. And the thing about highly sensitive empathic people is that because we pick up the distress that's coming from the world around us, we feel better when the world feels better. So it's very understandable that we're going to want to rescue people if they're in a state of distress. But this is especially true if we have not done our own personal work on our distress. And so anytime we're around people who are experiencing distress, we get triggered and activated and are, you know, spinning out. But Uh, I I hope. Yeah. yeah, this is so <laughs> it's so good. I you're speaking my language, my friend. Uh, no no yeah. surprise here, but this is yeah, not surprised either. This is like the self-love work, right? This is the yeah. so it's funny what what you're describing about, you know, going out to the world and you know, saving the people. I, I refer to it as the superhero archetype, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the archetype and we we have many different archetypes that we fall into throughout life. And this is one of them, right? And then when we yes. and I and I say this not as someone who uh, see this from the outside. I see th- I see this in myself, right? You're you're speaking straight to my soul, Jennifer. When I do these kinds of healings, I'm when I catch myself in this energy, I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is where a line needs to be set. This is where, and we'll probably talk about this later. The boundaries that we set, not just between us and the other person, but between different layers of our consciousness, right? Between mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, how much healing have I done? Where is this need that is you know originating from a need i need to meet for myself but it's now because it's easier like you're saying projecting into the outside world to fit that need so it's yeah it's it's asking the question maybe you can tell me if this resonates asking the question is this truly a need i need to project onto another person to help them or is this actually something i can feel myself is that Mm -hmm. something we Mm -hmm. could ask it's absolutely something we can ask. And I think that, you know, for me, one of the big questions, like there's two questions that I generally ask when it comes to noticing that something is up and that I'm yep. feeling some kind of empathic overwhelm or something. And the first question I ask is, is this mine? And, you know, I just, I'll put my hands over my heart and I just ask myself, is this mine? And usually, most of the time, the answer is both and. Like, I'll get a yes, and there's also stuff that's coming from outside of you. And every so often, I'll get a nope, this really is about something completely unrelated to you. But most of the time, it's kind of more of a yes, and it's also other stuff, too. And then from that question of, is this mine, I then ask the question, what's mine, what's Mm. not mine? And... There are times where I, you know, I do believe as healers that people come to us with resonant issues. That the reason we can, they can help us, but also the reason we can help them is because we understand what they are going through and we can relate. Like there's a resonance to what we have to offer. And so what I always ask myself is the question, is this like, am I the person to support, to serve this person? Is this an appropriate thing for me to be helping somebody with? And is this something that I am, I have enough distance, I have enough detachment, I've done enough of my own work on that I can do this work? So, for example, um, I, I had a friend who was setting up a... Uh, pro bono service for nurses who were working in the hospitals and who are on the front lines with COVID and, and basically offering like to provide tapping support for nurses who are in this position. And what I realized was that I have a number of reasons why it's not appropriate for me to be in that role. One was that 
I have, I come from a family in the human service field and healthcare pr practitioners, and I come from, I have many nurses in my family, including a mother who was a nurse, and stuff around my mother's, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying of like, you know, the worst patients are nurses and doctors. <laughs> I will attest the worst patients are nurses and doctors. And so I knew I had my own transference and my own issues about my mom's relationship to her stuff. But then my father actually was with was within the first like 10,000 people who died from COVID. And so I definitely have some real personal feelings about the whole thing. And I knew that until I had really worked through these sort of big personal things, I would not necessarily be able to effectively detach and provide service that wasn't, that was Biased. gonna come through really clean. Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer, I love this, is this mine? tip here yeah. and this is is so powerful and i i actually use this when i talk about ancestral healing so it's it's a very similar sort of thing here and what it, i think what it, i've learned from it is and it, and you're explaining it beautifully is it it helps us to distinguish and get into this whole world of frequency right and what what is the because and I, I say this to everyone listening the people for new for new people to this world right? We have our own frequency. We are unique soul expressions for a reason, right? And within that unique soul expression, we have our own unique frequency. So we, as the interpreter taking in these energies, we can get to a point, and this is, you know, I'm right here in this journey right now where we can distinguish, oh, this frequency is mine, like Jennifer was saying, or this frequency is connected to my ancestral line, or this is a completely different, this is an outside person, an outside element. And the the more that we do this, the more that this frequency muscle starts to build and we start to have a sort of a, a map or a library of um, what would be the word, source points that we've got, oh, mm -hmm. that's what this is, that's what this is, and now I can draw a line here. Right. Jennifer, let's let's go back because there's there's so much coming through and I want to I yeah. hit on all of it. Let's go back to the the clear senses and the empathy and because this is a big topic that i know i'm in at the moment and i think might be a little bit confusing for other people listening so yes I, well and especially oh sorry yeah all good let me i'll set it up and then i'll throw it yeah. to you because it just to give context because we could go in many mm -hmm. different areas with this the i in the system that i'm sort of in at the moment and my understanding is you know there are there are five main clear senses, right? Connected to our main, our main physical mm -hmm. senses, right? Seeing, hearing, tasting, uh, feeling, touching ex examples. Mm -hmm. And then there is, you know, clear empathy that people refer to sometimes. So mm -hmm. I'll throw it to you. Maybe, maybe we can start between the question, what would be the difference between clear sentience, which is clear feeling and mm -hmm. Clear empathy, which is sounds like what we're talking about now. What what comes up? Actually, so I actually think so personally. I really think there's a very very clear distinction between empathy and being an empath. And I believe empathy is the capacity to understand and grasp what is going on with another person, but there is still a level of discernment and. I, I really, and that's the thing for me, clairs by their nature bring discernment. And we also have, you know, like, so we've got the five sensory ones of, you know, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairgustance, which is just touch, um, tasting, clairalliance, which is smelling. And then, you know, clairsentience is one of those ones where I think some people sort of think of clairsentience as kind of like the physical sensation or the picking yep. up the sensation. Yep. And some people, I think, think of clairsentience more in terms of more of that empathic sort of internal, almost yep. kinesthetic experience. Um my sense of it is that people with these kinds of abilities and then claircognizance is just sort of Knowing. when you just know things. Yeah. And 
My experience with these is that with the Claire's, we, I, we can distinguish the separation between self and other. That there is a sort of a sense of I'm receiving this information. I'm not experiencing this information. I'm not feeling this information. Whereas being an empath, I find the challenge with, especially when we're new and, and being an empath, is the the fact that it is it, you're like submerged in it. It's an immersive experience. So, I would be inclined to say that Claire empathy is still creating a distinction between self and other. And actually, what I've been realizing, especially over the last year or so, is that many empaths actually need more empathy. That, ironically, being so highly sensitive and empathic, often we experience things as if they are our own. But because we are in crisis, experiencing the distress, it's actually very hard to have empathy for somebody who is experiencing it in reality. And so I'll give you an example of, of one of the time, one of the places where I kind of went, wait a second, like you need to have perspective here. And that was right as the war broke out in Ukraine. There were all of these images of like people fleeing their cities with like their cat carriers and their dog on a leash. And I was experiencing so much sort of empathic overwhelm from the distress that was coming that I was visualizing, like I was having these images of myself walking down my own street with my my yeah. beloved pug Lilu and my two cats who uh, you can sort of see can right see. behind me. <laughs> but my two cats, you know, in cat carriers. And all of a sudden I am there. I'm experiencing it. And while that is, you know, allows me to have this level of, of sympathy and this level of compassion and, and to grasp what's going on, where the line of empath and empathy was, was that I was losing perspective about the fact that I am a, 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 a white woman living in the United States in an environment where I am safe, I am protected, and my reality is that all is well in my world. And what I think can happen sometimes is for empaths, we get so lost in the feeling, we don't actually have the ability to distinguish or say, while I can really empathize with this, and I can imagine how hard this is, I am not actually going through this. And I think Empathy allows us to recognize that another person is having an experience that we are not having. Whereas being an empath, often we experience it as if it's our own. Mm. And so let me yeah. say, yeah. I love this, Jennifer. This is a perfect distinction here. And I think, and you were sort of explaining, I'm not sure if you intended to add it in, but it also sounds like the Claire's themselves, the other ones can come in to help with that distinction, right? Because you, you just, you, you, as you're explaining, you talked about that seeing the voyance of that, that image that you had and that while it took you deeper into the empathy, I think we could also go the opposite end, right? So I can, I'll share my example with this. One of the ways that uh, my clairsentience activates is when guides come in and mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll move through, I'll get goosebumps or they'll move through sensations that I'll have. And when I'm sort of putting myself in your shoes within that situation with the Ukraine, my clairsentience would help me make that distinction, right? If a, a guide would come in, right, I'd, I'd pick up the clairsentience and I'd be like, oh, there's someone here that's maybe helping me put this put this line, right? See the Have the feeling, have the understanding, get the message, but now be able to take a step back to do something about it. Is that right. a good interpretation? I love that interpretation. And you drew something out that I had not even necessarily realized is how we can start tuning into our clairs and recognizing them to help us distinguish and mm. to help us see the differences between what's going on. What I will say, though, is that 
I have noticed that when an empath is in a state of utter distress because they are they're spinning out with having absorbed just all the pain and especially if there is trauma in the past that has not been dealt with and has not been acknowledged and not been and had not been resolved and this can run back multiple generations and we could have a whole other conversation about ancestral healing because ancestral healing is We're gonna jam too. Okay. We're going to trauma next. Yeah, Don't worry, we'll go there. Keep going. But, but what I was going to say is that I find that when we are in that spinning out place as highly sensitive empathic people, and if we're noticing that we are feeling distress, that tuning in, actually not even tuning into the clairs, but simply tuning back into the senses and getting giving ourselves a reality check about what is going on right here, right now, can be really, really helpful to start dialing back and really focusing on kind of helping ourselves to sort of like back that truck up and not be, not find ourselves like just in, you know, spinning out with awareness of like imagining ourselves in Ukraine. And so I really love using sensory awareness from on a very visceral, physical level of, okay, so, and often I'll either start with smell because smell is such a, you know, deep, like it's really goes right into the lizard brain or I'll start with sight because it feels to me like that's kind of the most obvious thing for us sort of, you know, like, I don't know, like modern civilization people. And what I'll do is I will look around and I will start noticing what I am seeing. Like I will start telling myself, I see, uh, you know, like I've got a statue of our, you know, the Blessed Mother, like, you know, the sacred heart like right in front of me and and then I've got another you know and then I'm looking and there is like a wall hanging of the goddess Kuan Yin and and I see this candle with a label that says love on it I see flowers that are right in front of me so I start orienting myself to my environment and if things are really intense I'll even do this thing that I've recently been reading about where you like literally count colors. So you just sort of pick a color, maybe start with red and like I see this, you know, one red candle, um, one red ribbon, one red rose, one red uh, dress on the, on the thing, one red heart, and then going through the different rainbows and just doing this and then, you know, going to sound. What am I hearing? I am hearing I'm hearing the sound of sort of the hum of my earphones in my ears. I hear, I hear you agreeing with me. I, you know, if I was listening really care, I can hear actually the white noise generator coming from upstairs from, from these, my, my husband's office. And so we start tuning into what we're hearing. Then it's like, what are we feeling? What is the sensation on our skin? What is the feeling of the surfaces beneath us? What are we smelling? What are we tasting? And really coming back to the physical sensations from that, then we might be able to, if we have developed our clairs to some extent, then we might be able to actually use our clairs to recognize what are we picking up on that is not within ourselves, but where we're having a clairvoyant yes. perception of somebody walking down the road or something. And, ma but for and, and making a choice ahead. at that point too, yes. Jennifer. That's, and making a choice. Yes. That's, yes. that's the big part. So thank you for that breakdown. And I think this is, I mean, there's a lot of elements in here, but for everyone listening, I, I this is what I want you to sort of lean into here is that I think even as empaths and as sensitive people and as people sort of moving through our clear senses, sometimes we can feel like we don't have a choice, right? We can feel like mm -hmm. these beautiful gifts are igniting in us, which we deserve to have them ignited, right? But we can get to a point where we can sometimes feel like they're overwhelming, right? They're, we're on yes. the other end of the scale, like you set up at the start of the show, where it's just, it's just, we've switched one on and now they're sort of coming through as a, as a, as a, as a, as a waterfall, right? So yes. I just I want to encourage everyone listening, all the beautiful audience out there, remember your power of choice in this and that beautiful experience that Jennifer just talked about with all the different senses, 
that is really helping us back to that choice, right? Through the mm-hmm. overwhelm, through the intensity of it, to remember that choice that we have. Jennifer, let's let's move on here because there's a couple other topics I want to hit on. And you alluded to it before. And this is a big one that I want to make sure we get in here today. And it's the role of trauma, the role of trauma in in this whole conversation with being an empath, with the sensitivities now, we're talking about the clairs. So I'm wondering, let's start with how does trauma impact our our path as an empath in your perspective? So this is such a this is yeah. such a rich, rich, rich piece. Because there are people who actually believe that trauma is what causes people to become empaths and that mm. the experience of especially ACEs, um, adverse childhood experiences, create a, create a tendency towards hypervigilance that then has us really, really open and receptive and sensitive. Now, I just want to say that you could have a family of three children growing up in the exact same environment. One of them is in the an empath and two of them are really good at compartmentalizing. I actually really, while I do think that trauma can, can exacerbate and can stimulate our sensitivity, um, I believe that trauma does not cause it. Because if a trauma caused it, then everybody on this entire planet would be an empath. Because there is, at this point in time, with 5,000 years of patriarchy and, and like the impact of sort of agriculture and capitalism and all of the things that have been happening to us as a species, there is, there is so much trauma that has been passed, like kicked down the line that nobody escapes it. And yeah. so I, so. And Jennifer, let me, yeah. let me jump in here. Cause this is, I think this is yeah. where you're going to go next. I, I would reverse it. Right. And I would say that in my experience and there, and we'll probably talk about this at the end of the show, but we, of course we have our own individuality, right? We have our biochemical individuality and that also applies to these senses, the empathy, all of it. But they're there inside of us. These these mm-hmm. these abilities, these these this these beautiful sensitivities, are there from the start. However, and this is maybe what I would love to get your perspective on, if we have ancestral trauma specifically, so I, I go to things like Atlantis or the Salem witch trials, where certain mystical beings were persecuted for their emp- empathy, for their clear senses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the trauma in itself. While it's not causing the sensitivities and the and the beautiful build abilities, there is a sort of uh, a dampering or a fear that's stopping the expression. Would you agree yes. with that? I, uh, well, and I mean the co- the term that has been is being used a lot more nowadays is the witch wound, you know, and mm. it it is, and I think that, and the thing is, I believe that not only do we have the inherited ancestral trauma, and I would say. Not if we have it. I believe yeah. we all have it. Like, yes, like I don't think it is. And the thing is that there's more studies now where there's actually information and evidence that that trauma is inherited through our DNA, that it is passed forward, that it's not just an energetic thing, it's not just a woo thing, but that it is a reality that we are. And there have been studies that have been done that are saying, you know, if uh, if if trauma experience is experienced in a previous generation, you do not have to have even heard the story to have a response to these things. But then there's also the karmic stuff, the past life stuff, where it's like some of us are coming in. And so, yes, I think that there is that aspect of it as well, where it's like, and... Then you add the whole social culture of you're overreacting, you're taking it too personally, you're being too sensitive, get over it, stop worrying about it, you've got an overactive imagination, you're just being weird. That I agree, there is, there is a way in which between ancestral trauma, karmic trauma, and social pressure to not be magical and to not be sensitive, there is also that 
tension around being empathic where I think a lot of us really do try to shut that down. Pause there for a second, Jennifer, and then I I want you to continue because I can feel your heart in this one. Uh, I've been feeling it in all of it, but it's super passionate here. Uh, Just a distinction to help people uh, maybe start to learn the differences between the the ancestral the past life the it, it, then the in in this experience mm-hmm. um in the in the system i sort of am trained under and i share with clients we have a subtle energy system right and we have different subtle energy bodies right so we the thing that the ones that that audience members can probably relate to already is we have a physical energy body we have a mental energy body and we have an emotional energy body we can understand yes. that piece but we also have two others the genetic energy body and the DNA energy energy body. And this is where in our energetic field, those ancestral wounds and those past life wounds, they're, they're actually two different energetic layers of our being. So mm-hmm. just to plant that seed for people listening, know that you can start to distinguish between these different layers of what you are and you don't have to do it all. You can just decide one day, okay, I'm going to go into meditation and I'm going to focus in on my genetic body or I'm going to focus in on my past life body or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. so people don't feel overwhelmed. Um, yes. Keep going, my friend, with what you were saying. Well, so, um, and I also just want to say that in my experience, a lot of times, whether it is inherited or it is karmic, just start addressing it and the answer will come. Like a lot of times it's like if you, whether it was that I had a great, 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 great grandmother who was persecuted for being a midwife and an herbalist or a wit and a witch, or if I'm remembering my own experience, I don't think that matters as much as addressing and clearing it and healing it. Yes. Yeah. Given what you're ready for too, right? It's like you're... Yes. Yeah. Continue. Keep going. I wanted to actually circle back around to the word choice because you yep. were talking about this idea of choice and I and you mentioned something that I really wanted to hold up because I've heard this and I'm sure you've heard this so many times is like how so many empaths feel like a victim to their gifts and feel like they don't have a choice. They feel like they can't control it. I cannot count the number of people who have written or commented or said they feel like it's a curse to them. And what I want to say is that in the same way that if you do not have the tools or the knowledge or the information, then you don't necessarily have a choice about it. But once you do, then it's about approaching things in a really different way. And so... What I guess I would like to say is even the idea of introducing that we have a choice is revolutionary in that I think so many people don't even know that they have a choice. They are just flooded. And if somebody is the empath in a family system, in a dysfunctional family system, and they are the designated feeler for people who are suppressing their emotions and pushing them down and not dealing with them, in many ways, there's sort of a family contract that's been playing out where people are accustomed to playing the role of being the one who is processing the emotions for everybody else. And so getting to that point where we even recognize that we're engaged in this dynamic is it can be a complete game changer and within the empathic mastery system uh, you know my system is much more complicated than just put up a bubble of light and send thoughts and you know send send like you know white light like bubble up and send some white light and like love and light all the way out there because what i discovered is that Before we can address anything, we have to recognize. And so the first step of empathic mastery is recognize that, you know, and the recognize is twofold. The first part of recognize is even recognizing that we're experiencing empathic distress, that we are going through something, that that we're out of sorts, that we're not feeling, that we're not in our baseline. Like I'm imagining myself walking down a road with my dog instead of sitting in a room like having a conversation with you facing a zoom you know facing a computer screen 
So there's that level of recognize. And then from that, that, then we can start to really do the recognize work, which is discernment of what's mine, what's not mine, is this mine? Only after we've been able to recognize, though, can we come to the next step, which is release. And release is where we start using energy healing techniques, where we start maybe using like cognitive shifts and, you know, behavioral decisions, like make like all kinds of different ways to release. It could be energetic. It could be, you know, doing therapy with somebody. It could be journaling. But where we start to work on releasing the stuff that we've been carrying around, because one of the things that I find the problem with the idea of just put a bubble of light up around it is that if you're already carrying a ton of distress, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact your filters and shields from the inside out. Like you cannot protect yourself if you're already carrying around a bunch yeah. of distress. And, and that distress is attracting, right? So mm -hmm. this so I'll jump in here, Jennifer, because this, yeah. this is a really big point in itself too. And I thank you for those that steps, those steps there, and there's that distinction. And I, and I think what I'm, what I'm starting to really appreciate about your beautiful work in the world is the nuance of this is the, is the, is the professional sort of deep nuance and how, you know, we're not just lumping everyone into one category, mm -hmm. right? We're lumping, we're putting people into their own ind individualized expression, but just going back to what you were saying, if we put up the bubble, then yes, we're putting a line in the sand, but we're also not asking the question, you know, why am I attracting this energy, right? Because we talked about the resonance piece and we know that we can attract resonance from a space of light and we can attract resonance from a space of darkness, right? So why am, why is this person with this specific energetic frequency and resonance coming into my world? We need to be willing to ask that question and we can ask yes. that question once those boundaries are up once we're detached right we feel safe we feel protected but then we we then i would encourage people if you have the energy and the time at that point go deeper and ask okay is am i attracting from a resonance of light here because like attracts life or is there a piece in me like you talked about the curses and the thought forms the ancestral trauma is there a, sp a piece in me that I now need to bring attention to so mm -hmm. that that resonance is not there? Now I shift it from the negative into the positive polarity. Right. Does that, does that resonate, my friend? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I am doing work with people, what I try to cultivate within myself is curiosity. And so when I go into doing going when I go into doing work with people, there is a part of me that is the curious observer. And if I notice I'm getting pinged by something, I've been working and doing this work for a long enough period of time that if I recognize that I'm getting triggered, I have a capacity to ground, detach, and sort of put it up on a shelf. But what I do then is I basically say to myself, whoa there, little buckaroo, you got some work to do about this because that really set off some red flags within you. And I really, I completely agree that we get to look at, not only is it just about protecting ourselves, but it's also about exploring why is this resonating? Because you know, I was having a conversation with some of my students, actually, just the other day, where one of them had done some work with somebody, and they were, they were having a child, their client had a childhood memory about being excluded. And, and my, my student was really triggered by this particular thing and was having a very hard time shaking it, and was experiencing quite a bit of transference. And what I commented about was that probably they needed to look at where in their own childhood experience or their family experience is there a whole thing about exclusion, you know, you know, neglect, rejection, because the way they were reacting to the situation was disproportionate to the situation. And I was commenting that I'm sure there have been many experiences where they've worked with clients where they've shared deeply traumatic stories, like things that are just like, oh my God, that's horrible, but they didn't have resonance. And so it was able to just flow. And that's for me, the difference. It's like, 
if something goes like there is just hearing somebody's story and feeling deep compassion for the yeah. fact that somebody has endured something absolutely awful, but there's this lack of squiggle squirminess yeah. to it. You it's, know, it's, it's just it's Jennifer, love. It's the difference between so that you're you're making such a beautiful distinction here that I want to make sure people get. It's the difference between the law of resonance and the law of reflection. So the law of resonance is like attracts like. And what you were just talking about, you connect to that person because there's been a part of you that has healed that piece. You're compassionate because, oh, I've been there and I know that. The law of reflection is is that triggered response. Is if someone, mm -hmm. I, I always use the example, and I, I, dad, if you're listening, I love you very much, but I use my dad as an example. If I walk into a room with my dad and my dad is angry, but then as soon as I walk into that room and anger is triggered in me, mm -hmm. I can ask myself the question, did my dad give me that anger or is my dad through his anger reflecting the anger that is unhealed and needs to be seen inside of me, right? So that is the distinction here, resonance and reflection. And it's that triggered response that can usually tell us where we are in those two spaces, right? Mm, mm. I love the distinction between these two words of recognizing resonant. Are we experiencing resonance with something or is it, is it, are we experiencing the mirror and the reflection yeah. of something that is unhealed within ourselves? I would imagine that if I, my immediate thought as you were talking about you, you and your dad is like ancestral, yep. you know, it's yes. like, how, like, like that. And, and a lot of times, especially if you see patterns running in families, like, I, I just, I generally am just like, yep, that's, that's, a, that's the marker for certainly a marker for ancestral stuff. So that's, that's why I'm I love this work. So there Jennifer. with you. That's yeah. why I love this work, Jennifer, because there's so many, yeah. there's these, these layers just really make it so exciting to just dive And it through. makes it so yummy. Yes, it's like, yes. there's just, I mean, it's, it's like every single a person is a tapestry with just yes. a million threads and, or infinite threads. And there's, and, and it's like, it's just so fascinating how it's all interconnected. And there are yeah. just so many different pieces to all of it. Yeah. The tapestry is the, is the, is the beautiful word to describe it. Um, Jennifer, let's, I have a couple more questions here before we wrap awesome. up and I want to make sure mm -hmm. I get into with you. And this next one is a big one. So let me frame it here. I, this work that we're talking about with empathy and, and, and being a beautiful, sensitive person and connecting into the clear senses, all, all of what we've talked about today, this isn't just a me experiencing Jennifer experiencing, or even us with our clients, this is a collective thing and I want to just expand it here now. And I've, I've, the last few shows I've done, I've really got into, into this theme of this shift that we're all making as a collective together. We're all, we're not just individually doing these things. There is a group consciousness that is expanding through the, the world at the moment. And it's really changing, changing the world in so many beautiful ways. My question for you, Jennifer is, what do you think is the role of the empath and the highly sensitive person, maybe someone with these clairs as well? What is the role within the collective consciousness at the moment? And, and for someone that's listening to this that is feeling empowered, you know, what are, what are they doing just by being themselves that is impacting the collective? So this is such an important question and interestingly i was off at a writing retreat a couple of weeks ago and channeled an entire book about <laughs> the evolution of our species and how we are all awakening to our empathic abilities and that basically i believe that empaths are the next point on the evolutionary chain mm. and what i believe at the very very core of our work is to feel our work mm. is to be present and to not avoid deny or try to hide from the discomfort because what what the, my my council the council of we that's what they they you know they gave me that name to make it easy for me what they basically are saying is that until all of us as a species recognize our interconnection as cells in the body of this earth and understand that we are all deeply interconnected and feel all the feelings, we are going to continue to participate in behaviors that deny or create separation. separation. Yeah. And we are awakening. And so 
you know, there's a, Ken Kesey um, wrote this, I think it was the hundredth monkey theory, but you know, it, which the story of the hundredth monkey goes, goes back to this idea of essentially there's a certain critical mass that happens when enough people, enough beings know something where a new behavior is adopted. What I believe is that we empaths, those of us who are born and who are here right now, we're kind of like at the 87th, 88th, 90th monkey. And we are the ones who are proceeding, like we're the ones who are hitting critical mass. We're part of the wave that is going forward. And I believe that this entire, like, last few years, but especially since the pandemic hit, that you can see like more and more people are awakening to their empathy, empathic abilities, more and more people who are, are experiencing the discomfort of not being able to ignore or compartmentalize. And so what I would offer is our first role as empaths is simply to be the receptors, to be the frequency generators for what is truly happening on the planet and to have the willingness to be willing to feel what is going on without avoiding it, without suppressing it, without denying it, without trying to make it go away. I also believe that as empaths, we are, we have a capacity and I believe that everybody has the capacity for empathy. Everybody has the capacity for magic. Just some of us, like in the same way that an NBA player is better at basketball than I will ever dream of being, some of us are more gifted or talented or inclined towards this. And especially right now where some of us already have the abilities and some people have not awoke, awakened to them. What I see is that we either have the capacity to absorb all the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations of the world around us and struggle with them, and therefore amplify the struggle, amplify the resistance, amplify the pain, and reflect that just, you know, the, the, the sort of the looking through the glass darkly. Or what we have the capacity to do is bring ourselves up into the place of radical acceptance and radical love where we can hold space for what is, but instead of contributing to the problem, what we do is we are able to support the transmutation of the problem and we become beacons for light, for hope, for possibility, for healing. And I believe that every one of us, and I believe every one of you who is listening right now, you're listening because you are part of the solution and you have been called. And I sincerely believe that right now it is go time. It is all hands on deck. We are birthing a new world, but birth is messy. Don't let anybody tell you that it is not without danger, fear and discomfort. And in order to navigate this birth of the world, it's like we are both being the one giving birth and we are also the ones who are the doulas for that experience. But especially this is where that detachment and that ability to discern, I am not in Ukraine. Like if we are blessed to be living in places where the conflict is substantially lower, then we need to really work on keeping our perspective so that we can focus on grounding, we can focus on connecting to divine source, we can focus on being a generator for healing and love and joy and delight and pleasure. Because as empaths, we have just as much capacity to broadcast as we do to receive. Yeah. So. Long just, answer. Just know that it's it's beautiful, my friend, and I hope that hit the hearts of everyone listening. And just to add a little piece to this, I would really look at the name of this podcast that you're listening to right now. This is the Cosmic yes. Love Antenna, and I could not have I could not have said a more beautiful description of the mission of this show than what Jennifer just beautifully highlighted. And this goes beyond just this topic today, right? The empath and the highly sensitive person with all of your clear senses and all these things we've discussed today. It is not just you standing in the power of, of those elements, right? When you stand in your love frequency, as you start to admit and be the beacon of light, as Jennifer highlighted, 
you can also do that in every aspect of your being, right? So whether mm-hmm. you are a beautiful painter, whether you are a shamanic healer, whether you are a, you know, I've done at this point of this releasing this episode, you know, 50, 60, 70 episodes now, every single episode you can go and listen to this show, you can connect to the space that you resonate with, with your unique expression. So for example, if it's not empathy today or being an empath, tune into the thing that lights you up, but realize mm-hmm that that is the gateway back to your heart, right? And the thing that's underlying all of these elements is that frequency of love, right? And I think this is a wonderful place to end this, my friend, before I jump to the last question I want to ask you here is remember that when I say love and when Jennifer says love, we're not talking about the emotion of love, which is generally a powerful thing in itself, but we're talking about the embodiment of love, what we are Mm -hmm. made of, what is at our fundamental root center, right? You could call it your divinity, your essence, your godness, whatever name you apply, that is the space we go to. And when you're in that space, that is when you're emitting that frequency out, right? That is Mm -hmm. when you're connecting and channeling and being the empath and all of it. So yeah, Jennifer, we, we're getting we're getting heated here. I, I do want to I do have to run here in a second, but before we close up, two last pieces. One, if people have connected to your beautiful work in this world, they've they've felt your frequency, your space of love today, and they want to connect to you, they want to find out more. What do you want to share? I know you have this beautiful book behind you that you've been referencing. Mm-hmm. What what comes up? So first off. To access the full book, which is a two-part book, the first part, Empathic Mastery, a five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success, you can find that over at empathicmasterybook.com, and there are links to all of the major markets for the book, so that it's not just a U.S.-based website, like Mm -hmm. it will, you just look and you'll find all of the links, so empathicmasterybook.com. And part one is all about what does it mean to be an empath? Why are we this way? And then part two is the five-step system of recognize, release, protect, connect, and act. So empathicmasterybook.com. And if you would like to get a free gift from me and sort of get started in my world and get some tools for how to navigate this, I have an ebook. And if you just go over to empathicsensitivity.com, you can grab it over there. So... That's how to connect. Yeah. As always to beautiful listeners, if you go to the show notes, whether you're on on um, Spotify or Google or Apple, you'll see the details of the show and you know, I'll put the links to Jennifer's uh, store and book and all the things she's been talking about here today. Jennifer, last question here before I let you go. Okay. And, okay. and you sort of, it's funny, you sort of channeled it already because you've been in my head this whole time or most importantly, my heart, but I want to yeah. maybe hear a succinct version of it and what comes up. You know, the name of this podcast, as I just explained, is the Cosmic Love Antenna. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that love word is, there's a lot to it. But I w- I'm wondering, what? how do you define, how do you personally define that love word? So I really, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, for me, love is a noun and love is a verb. And the noun is the feeling, the noun is the quality, it's the, the lower active is the feel, octave is the feeling you discussed, and the higher octave is, the, is that channeling of that sort of like that divine force that mm-hmm. is everything. But I also really love to focus on and think about love as the verb, that it is a discipline, that it is an action, mm-hmm. that it is a choice on a daily basis to come from a place of love, to come from a place of compassion, to come from a place of generosity. And I just want to say that right now with the world where it is, it is, and for empaths especially, it is so incredibly easy to get focused on the negativity and the toxic and the difficult stuff that's happening. And yet what is going to turn the ship around is not continuing to perseverate about the pain, but actually to really, really focus on love despite that. And I think that that's the thing for me is like really thinking about how do I live 
in the expression of love, the mm. action of love. And for me, that is cultivating curiosity as opposed to reactivity. It is making the, it is really working to respond instead of react. It is about recognizing what my boundaries and my limits are and setting boundaries and limits, but also having the willingness to be radically honest with myself and with other people. And as well as to, to be generous from a place of, of surplus and generous from a place of resource, not necessarily generous from a place of guilt or mm. because that's not real generosity. But there are so many different qualities of like, how do I express love in this world? And also just even cultivating that capacity to listen with an open heart, listen with an open mind, listen with open ears, but just really be present. So for me, love is much more, it, the feeling and the quality and the experience, that's sort of a, that's almost like the byproduct. But the thing that we need to do is deliberately, actively choose love as a, as a path and as a discipline on a daily basis. I got a lot of uh, abundance vibes as you were sharing all of that, my friend. Another, yeah. I got is just being in that space of love. It's abundant rather than yes. scarce, and that fear mentality that's so prevalent at the moment. Yeah, that was beautiful, Jennifer. Thank you for spending time with oh. me today. I love you very much. You're doing, oh, right you're doing the you. work. <laughs> you're doing the work yeah. in the world that uh, is needed today. I hope that all the beautiful listeners out there in the podcast world, I hope you gained some value, some insight. If you did, remember, share it far and wide with the people that you care about, even with people that, as we just said, are maybe new in your world, share this as that token of love so you can maybe expand where they're at at the moment. But until then, beautiful listeners, we'll see you next time here on the podcast on the, on the Cosmic Love Antenna. We both wish you a wonderful evening, morning and afternoon and sending love and light right at you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.